Hi, I'm Claude Call. And I'm Sean Gallagher. We've both written huge numbers of articles about the movies. No, no, that was just me. Okay, yeah, he's the pro and I'm the schmo, but we are both passionate about the subject. And that's why you should tune in to the Words and Movies podcast. We pick two films that appear to be different and talk about the things that they have in common. We release a new show every other week and you can subscribe through most podcast platforms. Find us on the web at wordsandmovies.com. Welcome back to Daily DVR. We've got a fantastic show for you today. I've got a guest here. He's not really a guest. He's a co-host. He's part of the crew. We're going to say hello to Andy in a second. But first, I want to thank you for downloading. I want to thank you for listening. You can check us out at DVRpodcast.com. We got a a bunch of reviews on different pods. I don't have it all in front of me, but I want to say thank you. To people, I think we got a new review on the Mine Hunter, and even on Batch It Up, which sadly Sarah and I are not uh, continuing to cover the Bachelor right now because basically I don't really have as much time as I did before. But hopefully in the future we'll get back to that, even though I am still watching. And uh, you'd know that if you were on our Facebook page, and you can just check out Daily DVR on Facebook. And you could be a part of what we're talking about tonight, which was our director's bracket. Well, the next one you can be a part of. But uh, let me say first, say hi to Andy, and he's going to talk about it with us. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. You know, I was thinking when you were saying I'm kind of almost a co-host now. I've been on here enough times. I need to start. I need to create a uh, uh, like a opening line. So every time I don't sound (laughs) insanely awkward every time you introduce me. So. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Well, you know, the ultimate was um, Donald's uh, signature, which was just to be completely awkward and bring the whole podcast to a halting stop as soon as he was introduced. Just like, hey, Donald, how you doing? I, I remember yeah, many okay. times where he, where he never responded, and I thought something was wrong with the file. Yeah, oh, dude, all the time. I'd be like, are you there? Oh, oh I, I thought he was getting pickup when he was driving through uh Wendy's or whatever, but um, Taco Bell wasn't it? Oh, Taco Bell when it was all of them, man. Yeah, one Walmart of those Walmart parking lot with Hispanic yeah. Chris. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, we're here today because we had a director's bracket on our Facebook page with Andy put together. Thank you very much. We had a lot of fun doing it. We had so many people participate. It was a great time. I mean, how long did it take place over? What was it? Three weeks? Was it even longer? Uh, we started it. Well, you, me, and Heath talked in the beginning of December, so it it was lasted over a month. Okay. I mean, I took a few days off for holiday stuff, and then there was a few days when nobody really wanted to be on Facebook there for a while that I kind of didn't do anything. <laughs> we don't need to go into that, but so it, it took a little bit longer than normal, but I think it was four or five weeks. Somewhere around there. That was awesome. Well, it was a lot of fun. And um, we just wanted to come together on this podcast and kind of do a wrap up. Now, obviously, we cannot cover everything that happened. And I just want to shout out all the people who took part in the discussions that were on the Facebook page. So go over to the Facebook page again. That's Daily DVR. Just look it up. You can ask to join. I'll let you in. And uh, you can see all the discussions that took part and like the exact voting totals and everything. But we're going to kind of start off by talking a little bit about an email from Kellum that Andy got, which which gives us a framework 
for discussing the whole thing. And then we'll go into who won and stuff and just kind of bop around, have fun, just basically an excuse to talk about some movies. You're there, Donald? Yeah, I'm there. (laughs) I couldn't help it, you know? (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So um, you want to start out with that email? Um, Yeah. Uh, Let me see. Where where to start? Well, Callum was on, for anybody that didn't know, before we set the tournament up, I had a big group of people. I think there was seven or eight of us that I had that kind of helped me narrow down the field so it wasn't just all on me. That way, when anybody was busting my balls on the Facebook group, I could say, well, it was a committee's decision. It wasn't mine. Exactly. Like Scott. Cover my own ass. Yeah. Scott Scott with one T. (laughs) So, yeah. the uh, So, Callum was one of the guys, and he's not on Facebook. So, I was trying to, and he was helped us with the tournament. So, I tried to kind of keep him updated as we were going, and we had some nice email exchanges. And one of the, a couple of the things that he always, that we were talked about a lot, and I think it really shows up in this tournament, the way the votes went, is... How do you compare? Let me see what I wrote down here. Um, how do you compare films like Schindler's List versus Raiders of the Lost Ark? Films like Raiders are are perfect for what they're trying to do. I mean, you can't really think of a better action movie or better well made action movie. Well, films like Schindler are important films or Oscar award winning films. Yeah. And should a film be seen as lesser because it's a so called popcorn movie versus an important film? And we, we had a really long thread. I won't go into all of that, but that, that was the first thing that I had said and, or that we had really talked about. And I, Kellen requested that if we did a wrap-up show, we should talk about that because I think it is so – when you, we look at some of the results, results of the vote-getters, it's, it's pretty obvious which, which ones people tend to go for. And, I mean, I'm sure some of that – or more than others, and I'm pretty sure a lot of that is nostalgia, but it's also – I mean, it's not like they're, they're bad movies either. So I don't know. It's an inter- I don't. What do you think about some of that? Actually? I think that this is a – this is uh, a topic that is, I think, always at the forefront, at least in my mind, when someone just asks me to rank or compare any type of films, right? I mean, oftentimes I find myself using the word movie to describe a fun experience yeah, you know, movie and a film, Marvel, a Marvel movie yeah, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. A Marvel movie. Um, Fast and the Furious is a movie. <laughs> you know what yep. I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then something becomes a film when I feel that it has um, a unique spirit that transcends the market or transcends what was expected of it by the market or the audience. I guess that's the kind of quickest way I could come off the top of my head to describe it. But that yeah. is the basic difference between like you're saying, Oscar film, popcorn film, but right, popcorn movie, Oscar film, right? Well and the thing that I think the thing that I think is really interesting about that argument is when you start looking at the time the movies were released. A movie like Pulp Fiction I think is a perfect example. I mean, that was an art house movie. It was when it first released, it was seen as a film. And now it's more seen as uh, everybody's seen it. Everybody loves it where it's kind of, or the matrix, even, even though it was a huge blockbuster people, I mean, that won Oscars and now they're matrix movies. They're not. And so after they've been out for a while and in the zeitgeist, they almost sometimes turn, turn into movies, which is kind of an interesting idea for me. I think that the difference 
comes from um, and the way I would judge something for this, I kind of judged it more along the, the path of the director and how that particular film um, is ranked in their personal catalog, you mm-hmm. know, and how that film helped them grow. And I do think about that when I think about like a popcorn or an Oscar. But the thing is, you have to say, you know, movies are an experience as well as um, art, right? It's a it's an experiential yeah. art yep. where you bring something to it and it invokes from you. But if you're in an audience, you also get something different too. seeing it on a big screen, you know, yep. so yeah, just reacting with an audience or yeah, yeah that's a, that's a whole different feeling that is kind of almost separate from the film itself. It's more about people and humanity, right? And mm-hmm. what we share. Have so communal experience. Yeah, yeah, communal. And I think that's just as important as something that you could, you know, like, um, a primer where if you're watching that in a movie theater or you're watching that in your house, it really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I mean, no, I don't want to diss the cinematographer or Shane Carruth or anything, but honestly it doesn't fucking matter because you're really going to be seeing it in your mind, you know? Yeah. And then you have something like tenant, which does both, right? You're in your mind, but then you have that experiential experience, you know, feeling too. Yeah. So to me, I value both, but I do think it's important to kind of, I do think it can be important to categorize, you know, I do, because I think you can say like, no matter how much I love (laughs) stepbrothers, that's not a film. It's a movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I love it. Hard to argue that. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, it, there's just something about that. And I, I think that it, I don't know if we could even, ex- what do you think? Like, what do you think makes a difference between those two things? Well, I, I don't know. Cause I've, even when I was talking with Kellen about this and that, that conversation we had was probably over a month ago, at least. And I've still been thinking of it since then, because I mean, it's for me, they are kind of in two separate categories because like take what well, my standby is always Schindler's list. And I'll use Raiders because they're both Spielberg movies. Schindler's List, I will. Well, maybe I won't use Raiders. I'll use Jurassic Park. That's a better, maybe a better example. Jurassic Park, a movie that I love, I've seen many, 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 many times. I've seen Schindler's List maybe twice, maybe three times total. I'm never ever going to say Jurassic Park is a better movie than Schindler's List or a better film or whatever you want to call it. So does the fact, but I, I will also. Schindler's List is a better movie, but I would never, I don't know. I, it's, you don't want to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm not, it's not a movie. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and. You didn't like it as much. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like it. Be, yeah. I don't like the difference between your best and your favorite, I guess. Yes, yeah. It's, well, it's thing, but, and then there's a few movies that are in both of those lists. Like The Godfather for me is a movie I've seen many, 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 many times. But I would also I would put that up there with Schindler's List or with something like that as one of the all time great movies or all time great films. So I mean, or two thousand one, another one like it's the same thing. I would definitely not call that a movie. That's a film, and it's one of my all time favorite movies that I've seen it probably fifty times. Well, so I, I don't... think you could say maybe when you're pushing the boundaries again, it's I think when you're when you surpass expectations, 
and you push the art and also the technology because film is a technical mm-hmm. uh, endeavor as well as an artistic endeavor, then I think that's when you go into the art movie part. It also has to do with being auteur driven a lot of times in film, though not always, because I think that there are films that have been created by committee or created in editing when the film fell apart during shooting that turned out to be amazing. And really the art came out of that editor, you know? So yeah, there's so many people that are involved in film it's hard to say always where the magic comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we give yeah. that credit to the director. We give that credit to the stars, even like the, say the production design or CGI people, but it's something when it all gels together, like talking about the Marvel movies of all of those films, I would say, and I, other people have said that the Thor movie that, uh, Taiki Waititi, did I pronounce the name properly? Well, it is a DVR podcast, so yeah. you, I think there's a requirement for you to at least <laughs> mis- mispronounce his name at least one time per episode. Everything mispronounce everything, yeah. but the point Taika being, Taika, what, Taika Taika okay, yep. that that you could say to me that's the most film like, right? In the same way that Logan was the most film like, right? Yep. Of the other ones, yep. and. A lot of people, you know, it's funny recently, um, I've been just kind of reading more reviews and what other people have to say about film. And I've encountered a a point of view and it was with tenant that I don't often encounter, which is, oh, you know, back in the day, people would accuse lost of it. Oh, you're just trying to be cool in what you're doing, right? You're trying to impress me. And trying to confuse just for the sake of confusion. Yes. for the yeah. sa- So people talk about it. And so you can say you're smart, you know, yep. which never really um, occurs to me because I just like it when people try to be smart at all because there's so mm-hmm. much dumb shit out there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you're going to get mad at the guy for trying. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's kind of how I feel, but um that I think is an attitude where you have kind of the rise of people standing up for the popcorn film and saying, um, also the, 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 like you said, it changes over time in the same way that sometimes something comes out and they're like, this is a film. And then later it becomes like a hackneyed movie that everybody saw a million times, you know? Yeah. Well, Um, and the other thing, I think the other thing that hurts like groundbreaking movies, like the matrix or Pulp Fiction is, after that happens, like in the next 10 years, there's a, always a just a shitload of crappy knockoff movies that taint the, Yeah, I think, you know. it's not, in a lot of people's minds, taint, I mean, Pulp Fiction and The Matrix, the first Matrix will never be tainted in my mind, but I know plenty of other people that are like, when Ultraviolet came out or all these other crappy Matrix remakes, everybody's like, ugh, Matrix, right. blah. Well, it makes thing. it so, look, it makes the original look derivative because yeah. our society and, 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 and culture and film move so fast that the next yep. thing you know, you forgot where it originated from. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's, but I was going to say that um, you, you, in the same way that things can become like, things can become more film-like over time in the same way that they can kind of, you know, decrease over time. For instance, 
like Raiders of the Lost Ark to Indiana Jones, the whole series, when you, well, especially the first three, when you yep. look at those and you see the, the practical sets they use, the stunts, the, how much of it they shot in real environments, you know? Yeah, on locations. Yeah, yeah on locate insane locations. That is kind of a hallmark of a film to me. And I see those. And then if you were to compare that to like, say national treasure, right. Or, <laughs> yeah. um, what's the Tom Hanks one? Um, the Da, oh, Vinci, the da Vinci code, code. right. Yeah. Which are those action. You think they're not even in the same league as, no. as the Pale film. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like real, you know, that seems like a, those seem like films to me, but when they came out, some people were like, Oh, Spielberg's doing his fun adventure thing. Yeah. You know, look, George and Steve got together to make a movie yep, in their right. backyard. <laughs> and really, for Spielberg, that was like that was like that for him until The Color Purple, really, yeah. where he wasn't really everything was a popcorn movie. And I mean, now Jaws and Raiders are and Close Encounters are all kind of seen as great films. films. Yeah, yeah, great films. Well, take over time, your ideas change, but it is fun to talk about that stuff because I have to say that I've been accused of and i've thought that sometimes i was being a snob because if i found some quality in something oh i could call it a film you know like uh say like aliens mm -hmm. right which is one of the films that we that we people voted on here right yep. Um, it was. Yep. that to me is like that's a fucking film <laughs> you know what i mean like he takes that right. so seriously, you know, or like we're talking about the, the Nolan films, man, when mm -hmm. I watch it, it, I ha it has to do sometimes too with the work and it's, that's, what's hard to quantify is the amount of work that went in to create it because a lot of times now you can't tell, right? Because of CGI yeah. and everything, like I honestly did not know because I had only seen the first John wick movie. Right. Oh, yep. And I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of fun. I may have fallen a little bit asleep, but just a lot of, a lot of guns and shit. Yep. Yep. And then my wife wanted to watch the second and third one. So we did it. I think we watched them almost in a row. Yep. But before that I had seen a quick video that illustrated that all the guns and the knives in that entire movie are CGI. All the CGI stuff yeah. they add in. Yeah. yeah. That he's just throwing his hand like he's throwing a knife. There's nothing in his hand at all. There's not even a gun in his hand. He just goes like this and pretends he's pulling a trigger. Yeah. They put it in later. It's, that stuff. It's so hard to tell on that. So it's like <laughs> it's the, crazy. Uh, it's the, like in the, uh, in the last Avengers movie Endgame when they, they all have the white suits on. None of those people were wearing white suits. That those were all CGI suits. Yeah, they do so much, like, just touching stuff up, you know? Yeah. But yeah, then so you see, like, what they did in Tenet, which is to mix all of it, but then do as much practical. So when it comes yeah. to action and adventure and, like, genre movies, for me, I find the 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 use of more practical effects attracts me. But then again, Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Matrix, you know, which is a lot of CGI stuff, so... I guess it comes from the art form, you know, like, and I, I mean, I, 
I think the other thing that I'm, the more we're talking about it, the thing that I, I really think of when I, in my mind, a lot of times, if I, if I think it's, uh, that's a film or a movie kind of a thing is, and I know everybody that makes movies cares, but there always seems to be sometimes that's one of those things where you can almost kind of tell that everybody that's on the set cared about what they were doing and yeah. everybody is putting in 110% and their best effort. No, you don't think anybody's phoning it in. You don't. And I mean, I know that it's impossible work to make a movie and, that's probably just a generalization, but something about it, you can, I hate to use that line, you know it when you see it, but it kind of, sometimes that's the way it kind of is too, right. if that makes sense. You no, know, it does, because it's art. That's what art is. I mean, look, yeah. I often think about, like, when you look at, like, a Van Gogh, right? Mm-hmm. And this may be the recency bias thing or uh, the opposite, whatever the opposite of that is, but... um. <laughs> It, 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 um, well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying is we've seen it. You see it in it so many times when you look at a Van Gogh, oh. you're like, oh my God, yep. look at all those colors. It's kind of loud. You know what I'm saying? It looks like pop art almost. You're like, how is that considered sublime, yeah. like beautiful art, you know, high class. But then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well you think that way because it's so much later. When some, and I think the same thing happens with film. And I think when we looked at, like, when you look at some of the some of the films that beat other films, I think that even though maybe perhaps I was voting based upon what I felt the director's bracket, what their best movie is, like where they were, like maybe learning the most or progressing the most as an artist, I think other people still do vote on what movie they like the best. Yeah, and that's I, okay. I, that's, and and the one great thing about art is, even though people like assholes like us try to try to compete it against each other, there's no right or wrong answer yeah. in art. People are going to like what they're going to like, and people are going to think something is better than what they what they aren't. So I'm totally fine. That's part of why I like doing these things. I just love to see what other people like and what they don't like. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit of because we can use some of these um, uh, examples. Do you want to so you want to start out with the individual bracket winners or or the the vote getters? Um, what do you think? I don't know. We could we could do the winners. I mean, that's we'd do that first. That's I mean, Sienna's Kellum is not going to be on Facebook at least, and I know he listens to this show, so then he can he can follow <laughs> along. All right. Um, well, the first one was Raiders of the Lost Ark beat Jaws in the final, which I thought was kind of surprising. I thought I mean, I Raiders yeah. is they're both two of my all time favorite films. So, I mean, we've kind of talked about both of those, but do you have anything to say about that? Well, I mean, I voted for Jaws, um, but I can understand people voting for Raiders. I think, and if this, and, you know, if you look at the, do I think that these are the two of Spielberg's best films? I don't know, because they may, maybe they may be. I'm an E.T. fan myself. Um, and that's... And that, oh, well, the hard part was Spielberg too. He's got so many. Yeah, I mean, we could we could have done an entire like thirty-two film bracket with just Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And ET got eliminated in the first round. Yep there was there was some controversy on that. I know I know Scott was not happy about that. See, and I think that ET for Spielberg that was the movie, you know, and I think that that was when he perfected. You know, things in that were in Close Encounters, things that mm-hmm. were in Jaws, 
when he got to ET, I feel like that's when that that is when people think about the kid opening the door and the doo doo doo, the magic, the Spielberg well, think, magic. You know, I think didn't you didn't you mention this on the? I think you, I think it might have been you that mentioned this on the Facebook thing too, and that when that discussion was going on, that that's ET is definitely a movie about divorce. Yeah, yeah. So like with my with me, I don't my my parents never divorced, so. I understood it because I obviously had plenty of friends that had it, but it, I don't think it ever connected with me in the same way that like Jaws. Jaws for me, I think it goes, it depends on the day, which one I like more Raiders and Jaws, but Jaws is one of my favorites because of the, like the, the, the bond it has between men that I, I, it's so hard to describe it, but I, I don't know that just hits me hard in that movie. And I don't care so much about the shark stuff. I like too, but it's the relationship between the three men and showing a relationship that's healthy, but then it's still not healthy and they fight and they laugh and they sing and they cry. And so it's I, with Spielberg in particular, a lot of it depends on how the, how it affects you emotionally. I think. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, for me, I think jaws, you know, that was the, that is like the movie that people credit with like creating kind of the summer blockbuster. And uh, so that's why I kind of voted for it too. But then again, Raiders of the Lost Ark is something because like I said, a lot of people are like, oh, they're making their little adventure movie. And then it turns out to be like this thing where people, where even the old guys are like, holy shit, this is like the serials we saw. You know what I mean? Like it impressed uh-huh. everybody. Um, so I do think that both of these films deserve here, but it is and- surprising Raiders beat Jaws. The uh, the funny thing about that, uh, like what you're saying about the how it's imitating the old serials. If you go back and watch an old, one of the, one or two of those old serials, Raiders of the Lost Ark blows it out of the water. I mean, it is it's not even close. Spielberg and Lucas elevated that into something that was a yeah. hundred times what those old serials were. Yeah, that's awesome. Next up, we had Zero Dark Thirty beat The Hurt Locker. This surprised me. It did me too. And then I started looking back at some of that stuff and a lot of people haven't seen the Hurt Locker. I mean, it holds, I think it still holds the record as the lowest grossing film to ever win best picture. Really? I think so. I thought I mean, that I was amazing. Man. Renner. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought zero dark 30 was great, but zero dark 30 was almost like, Hey, you did Hurt Locker. You should do this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I I kind of I liked it. I thought it was a really interesting film, and I, actually, I could watch that again. Um, they, I okay. enjoy both of these movies. I think I, I think I voted for Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, I I don't. It's kind of like you said; they're both. It's like, hey, you did this, you did that, so do this kind of a thing. So it does yeah. seem the the movie of hers that I really underestimated and I had never watched it until we were putting this tournament to, when I, when I was sending all the email original emails out back over the summer and I had never seen point break. So I thought, oh, you know okay. what? I'm going to, I'm going to watch point break. I've, I've seen all the people make fun of it. I know fast and the furious. The first fast and the furious is basically a ripoff of it. And I don't think I'd ever seen it. I always had thought I had. So I threw on the, threw it on and I really, really enjoyed that movie. I really enjoyed the, I thought the filmmaking was actually really good too. It was, I was really surprised by how much I got engaged with it. So, I mean, maybe I was just expecting it to not be very good, but I really liked point break. So, and I thought it was one of those movies you thought you saw when you were younger, 
And after about two minutes, I'm like, I don't think I've seen this before. So a quick shout out for Point Break. (laughs) Yeah, she does. It's interesting, too, the way that she makes films about men. Yeah. Though in Zero Dark Thirty, though, um, the woman is prominent, is more prominent. Yeah, Yeah, Jessica Chastain is kind of the star of that. Yeah, but not really in her locker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the only woman in the Hurt Locker is, uh, what's her name, Kate, at the very end. Yeah, Renner's wife. Uh, yeah. She's like, go get something from the grocery store. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Not oh, the, not the freezer aisle. Movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that movie is really great. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums mm-hmm. beat Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm perfectly fine with this because I think that for Wes Anderson, the Royal Tenenbaums really is where he discovered, like, really truly who he was as a director and brought it to its fruition. We had that Mm -hmm. pod that um, John and I did Yeah, about Rushmore about Rushmore last year. And I think I talked about that too, where like you see like the kind of outline of it. Like he's almost timid in a sense, like the main character of Rushmore. And then mm-hmm. when the Royal Tenenbaums, he's like, oh, fuck this. And he just goes for it, you know? It's yeah. similar to um, PTA with Magnolia. Yep. Where he was yeah, just I, like, fuck this, I'm going for it. And he really just left it all there. That's, I think, the uh, on the, on the uh, some of the Facebook pages, Kevin had some passionate things to say about Royal Tenenbaums. It's a movie that I love. I've always thought it's my yeah, favorite Wes beautiful. Anderson. After Kevin had talked about it, I went back and rewatched it again for the first time in a couple of years, and I, th- I think that movie's a masterpiece. I think it is the yeah. best Wes Anderson has ever been, and he had made some great points about that was not long after that is when Owen Wilson stopped writing with him, yeah, and how he thinks that a lot of the some of the darkness I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so I apologize to Kevin if I missed this, but like some of the darkness and some of that stuff really He's left right. it. He's and right. That, yep. And that's really what I think gives Tenenbaums its strength. It is, man, I was just blown away all over again. So well, I was man. I was hoping Tenenbaums would win. I, it's, I, I love it. Yeah, man. Well, think about it, right? I mean, I don't know Owen Wilson, but I do know that it was public that he had multiple suicide attempts mm-hmm. and that he has struggled with depression and I think some uh, substance abuse. And what I know about Wes Anderson is that he likes to drink tea and wear an ascot. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the guys really, that's that dark. Like every movie after does not have that. Didn't he come from like a rich Manhattan family too? Wes? I don't, I'd honestly, somewhere in New York. I don't, I I wouldn't be surprised if he popped out of like a Louis Vuitton bag. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, excuse me. He's, I mean, he's Wes Anderson, you know, Mm -hmm. he's in Paris somewhere right now looking at the Sorbonne or whatever it is, but maybe he's drinking Sorbonne, but um, (laughs) he's uh, (laughs) this. You're right. This, that, but but he obviously does have it in him because he directed the film and he they wrote that together you know yeah and yeah but that does leave his films after and it comes in in different ways it comes in more so of a neglect of saying something that's more emphasized you know where there was a lot more acting out in the royal tenenbaums um and it becomes more of like a bottle up and explode type of thing uh like in darjeeling limited 
you know, well, you'd see that like, he's the kind to like stuff it, you know, like hold it in, hold it in, you know? Um, I love Darjeeling limited. That might be my favorite of his films. Cause I feel it just feels really personal and it reminds me of my brother. And I think mm-hmm. it's about family. And even though it's an expansive film, as far as, you know, where they travel, it feels actually to be his like almost coziest movie to me. It like a return to, uh, the first film, which I'm forgetting the name of bottle rocket. Oh, bottle rocket. Yeah. Which is really uh, a very know. small movie. I'm going to have to go back and watch Darjeeling again. I don't think I've seen it since it first came out on disc, mate. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I love it, man. I'll have to go back and watch that again. I think Jason Schwartzman is one of this generation's finest actors. And I say that with all seriousness. I love the dude. I think he's fantastic. Everything, every time I see him in something, I'm like, he's awesome. He is. He is really, really great. I, I think the, uh, I think he could be a guy in 20 years that it's kind of seen like Dustin Hoffman is now. I think he could kind of follow that same trajectory if he gets the right roles. And, and, and the funny thing is, is, you know, like he can really do whatever the hell he wants. You know, I mean, he's a Coppola, you know, he's, he's in the, he, you know, he just keep on being in everybody else's movie and his family every winter or whatever he wants to do. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and they have so many people attached to them too, right? Like now Mm -hmm. like Wes Anderson and fricking Spike Jones. Well, I don't know if they're still attached to Spike Jones. Yeah. I don't think Spike is part of the club anymore. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Beetlejuice beat Edward Scissorhands. But I think that, um, Ed Wood is, uh, his best movie. I, that was another one that, uh, Callum and I talked about quite a bit and we bought, uh, there's another one where I think like Third Locker, I just don't think enough people have seen Ed yeah, Wood. Yeah, I agree. I love that film. it was film. so dark. Yeah, it's great. I saw that, um, a preview. I can't remember if I was in New York or something and, you know, they just hand you the things. Well, yep. I don't know if you know, this. they'll just be like, yeah, you can come to a free preview or I they actually, started. The, oh, I was going to say, they actually do that in Minneapolis a lot. Minneapolis oh, okay. is a big test screening. They did test screenings and not just preview screenings, like test screenings for uh, yeah. Titanic there. And I actually got to attend a test screening of uh, world trade center, that Oliver Stone oh, movie. Oh, that's an intense and it was, movie. Yeah. We got the funny thing is my wife and I were going to see the Pixar movie cars and we were standing in line. It's, it's kind of in a ritzier neighborhood in Minneapolis and they said, hey, do you want to go to this test screening of World Trade Center when we're in the line to see cars? So it was <laughs> but it was like five or six months. It was all temp music that was still scored to. It was really an interesting experience. But yeah, sorry, That's go ahead. That's cool. That's very yeah. cool. Well, I got to see, um, I got, this was to see Ed Wood like two days before it came out. This wasn't like mm-hmm. a test screening or something, but... And uh, it was like a midnight show and all these crazy people came and it was really fun. I don't remember how I got to take And then I love that film. And I thought, man, wow, look at this guy. He is really, I mean, from Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice and right. And then look what he's become. Now he's making fucking Dumbo. So. <laughs> the, lesson, the lesson is to he's got like a he's got like a 10 year stretch of yeah, weird terrible awesome movie tim burton and he's then just all sniffing sudden, his own ass too much dude like he uh, it's just the same thing like i do worry about some of the wes anderson stuff too it's like too 
so twee. You get yep. stuck in your own shit. I think Spike yeah. Lee is an example of a director who that like never happened. Like every time you'd think he was like doing the same shit or get a little bit, he'd change up, do something totally different. That's why yep. I love Kubrick. All his movies are fucking different. Like even Hitchcock, he's great. You got to do something different. And yep. people get Tim Burton to make it look like a Tim Burton movie. And I think that is so boring and I, I yeah. can get mad talking about Tim Burton cause I love Beetlejuice and I, Edward Scissorhands is beautiful and Johnny Depp is amazing in that movie. Right. But what the hell happened to Tim Burton? Oh, and I think even the thing that even makes me more upset about his later stuff, it's not so much that it seems lazy, but it's, it's all based on other properties. Yeah, it's it is. It's, it's, no, lazy no, is the way to say. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, maybe uh, but, the the Dark Shadows. Oh, I mean, there's God. twenty of them. It's terrible, and dude. I always like if I see them on cable or something, I'll flip around, or I see it streaming on Netflix or something. I'll watch a few minutes of them just because they're Tim Burton movies. I'm like, well, maybe maybe he's yes. decided to to try yeah. again. And after ten <laughs> yes. minutes, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Andy. I know you have the talent. Oh my God, dude. See, we should, I should, if we were together right now, I'd put my hand on yours, even during COVID times, because <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I do the same thing. Every time a new uh, Tim Burton movie comes out at some point, yep. I'll, it'll be on, or I'll have an opportunity to turn it on streaming or whatever. And I'll be like, okay, come on. It's fucking Tim Burton. You know what I'm saying? This mm -hmm. guy's an amazing talent. Like he's amazing. Start yeah. watching it. Two minutes into it, I'm like, oh no. Five yeah. minutes into it, I'm like, I ain't going to make five more minutes. And then I, I just, I can't, it's the same yep. shit. And I, you know what? You don't know why. Because another thing is when you make a film, you, you, you plan it, you make it, it's like a business. And he enjoys, I think, the scenery, the creation of the world. And I think almost at a point, the story became secondary to him and he really yep. is more interested in what people are wearing or how they talk or, and, yeah. and if it's actually a compelling film, if it works, I don't quite think that that's where he's at. And maybe that's because he's fucking Tim Burton and they'll let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, especially now that he's hatched up with Disney, as soon as that happened, it was like, a match yep. made in hell, heaven, whatever it is. Say, he's got all the IP there he could ever make to want to make crappy remakes yeah. of. All right, let's move on. Children of Men beat Gravity. D oh, hold on, you skipped one. Oh, what did I, oh, League of Their Own beat Wayne's World. I haven't seen a League of Their Own. And you got chastised by a couple know, of us, by I, I think Gina and I. You need to watch it. It's a great I, I should but watch one of those, it. I know you said you don't watch you're not a big fan of baseball oh and baseball God, movies, baseball but baseball kills me. Good base. Like I said, good baseball movies are not about baseball. And this is one of them. True. It's not, it has baseball in it, but it's, and to see Tom Hanks, it's one of Tom Hanks most underrated and yeah. hilarious and sometimes sad performance. And Gina Davis is great in it. And it's just, it's a great movie. It's well worth checking out. It has two knocks against it for me. I don't like period stuff sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I do when I don't even notice it or I love it, but it, it's a little bit of a hump for me and, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, stuff that it doesn't mean that I don't like anything that's not 
sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. It does mean that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I just end the baseball thing, but I'll see it. I'll, I'll watch someday. I'll watch it. I'll I mean, watch it with my wife. It's, it's good enough that it makes Madonna watchable for two hours. Well, that's saying a lot because yeah. I've seen a couple of her movies. But yeah, Wayne's I World. I loved. I saw that in the movie theater. Um, yep. Great film. Super. I still quote it almost daily. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and also it, um, it broke the SNL slump. People forget mm-hmm. about that because if mm-hmm. you remember when SNL first came out, all the people broke out and had really successful movies. And then yep. for like the next 20 years, nobody had a successful movie. They all sucked and they bombed. And then Wayne's world came out. It was really huge. And then I think everything started sucking again, like one night in Roxbury or something like that. You know, those kind of movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think I it loved was, it. I think it was the very first one to actually succeed from with characters that were literally from SNL. Yeah. Like Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and those guys that had successes, they a lot of them weren't actually SNL movies, but I mean they were obviously cast members. But I'm well, maybe the Blues Brothers. Blues I guess Brothers technically is an exception. Yeah, that's true. So, Blues Brothers an exception, but then Coneheads was like way later. Yeah, that was like the nineties. Well, that, that was like what we were talking about with the uh, when there was a groundbreaking movie, and then there's a whole shitty stream of bad ones. Yeah, exactly. And after that, I mean, <laughs> after Wayne's World, there was It's Pat, and there was yep, Conehead, yep. and Roxbury, and all just a whole. Oh my god! They even did a fucking movie with uh, "I'm Good Enough," "I'm Smart Enough." Yes, um, Stuart, right? Stuart Smiley. Stuart saves his family. Jeez, Louise. Um, Okay, let's move past that. Children of Men beat Gravity. I think that that's worthy. Children of Men is is really amazing. Gravity is amazing, but I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a one trick pony. And I also feel like gravity could have been like 40 minutes long. (laughs) Like I love it. It was awesome. Okay. And, and Sandra Bullock who always amazes me how she became a star. I have no idea, but she's, (laughs) she's there and she's a star. Um, but children of men, I think is a much better film than gravity. Technically, think, Gravity did a lot, but Children of Men's a better film. I, Children of Men is I, – I love both of these movies. I think Children of Men is going to be seen as almost like Blade Runner. I think that yeah. movie is just going to get more and more love as the years go on and people realize its greatness. Yep. Gravity is a movie I also love. Only seen it one time, and it was uh, – I was visiting some relatives in Florida, and I needed to get out of the house for a while, and it was when Gravity was still in theaters. So I went, and it, there was, happened to be an IMAX 3D screen like five miles away. And I saw that thing in IMAX 3D, and it, I mean, it blew me out of the yeah. out of the theater. Seeing, I've I've watched a few minutes at home, and I'm like, it's good. I can tell it's good, but the theater experience for that one really is what makes me think. That's what I think of when I think of that movie because it was an amazing theater experience. I thought of that, but I think so was Children of Men. Well, yeah, I totally agree. That's why I, I still voted for Children of Men because yeah. I think it's so, superior. Yeah, I mean, I think that Gravity definitely has an experience factor, especially on like a huge screen. I mean, make uh-huh. you sick vertigo style, yeah. but children of men does too. And let's not forget that amazing, uh, unbroken shot uh-huh. with him walking down and the bomb going off and all that. And yeah. there's just so much weirdness too. 
and the way that you slowly find out what's happening, the kind of the trust mm -hmm. in the audience, it yeah. shows, you know, that's, that, that's maybe like a little hallmark of films too, trusting the audience. Yeah. Not insulting your intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Do they feed it to you or maybe, you know, do, yeah. Do you, do, does it trust, do, yeah. Do they trust you? Do they say to you, I mean, oh, yeah, we're not going to insult you. We're going to let you think a bit. We're going to trust that you're going to think. To me, this is one of those matchups that's like a steak versus a hamburger. I love both of them. Yeah. I mean, Gravity's the hamburger. Gravity's the roller coaster ride. Children of Men is the the big epic sink your teeth into and think about it for three days after you watch it kind of a yeah. movie. Man, I would love to. And Children of Men has been ripped off so much. Talk about being ripped. I've noticed that lately, even uh -huh. like video games and just a lot of stuff in there. All right, move. We got we to gotta keep it moving. Lost in Trans. This was a special bracket. What was this? Lost in Translation beat Winter's Bone. This, this was just like the League of Their Own one. That was the comedy female directors, and this right. was the drama female okay. directors. I think the, these are both fantastic films. This surprised me because I thought Winter's Bone was going to win. I loved Winter's Bone. I remember watching this just hearing. I remember Winter's Bone came and they were like, yeah, there's this actress in it. She's in this movie, Winter's Bone. You should see it. It's great. And I was like, yeah, whatever. All right, I'm going to watch it. And I was like, holy shit, she's amazed. This film is fantastic. Lost and, in uh, Translation. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, on Winter's Bone too, what's his name? Um John Hawks. Yeah. He's also really, really great in that and movie. And also, you can make the joke Winter's Boner, which <laughs> gives it a plus for me as a dad. <laughs> I, how can I argue with that? I had to do it. Uh, I know Solo's <laughs> going to laugh at that. Yeah. Um, but Winter's, Winter's Boner. Lost in Translation is amazing. Sofia Coppola, what a great director. And she gets so much shit for The Godfather 3. <laughs> She's really a great director. Uh, the last film she did, which I found to be kind of a spiritual sequel, like a grown-up version of Lost in Translation with uh, uh, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Oh, um, the Apple one. Yes. The one on Apple. Yes. Right? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Cannot remember the name of it. Fantastic. Beautiful film. And re I really do think that maybe it's he's the same character like really i don't know i'd have to read about her in her mind but i do think because in in loss in translation that's her the husband spike jones right yep yep and i think that bill murray is just representative of older men that she trusted who said no you're actually right he's a dick uh-huh. You know, and I yeah. think in the new in the in the new movie it's more like I I can trust myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I should have been trusting myself though. It's a there's a little stronger uh I think yeah. personality, but what did you do? Are you a fan of Lost in Translation? I love 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 Lost in Translation. I haven't I have only seen it one time. But it was one of those movies where I saw it, I think it was right when it came out on video or on DVD, like right when it was in the midst of Oscar season. And I think I was just in the right place in my in my t time of my life that it that movie just rocked me. It's one of those movies that, like I say, I only saw it once, but I have that entire movie just burned into my brain. I love it. Like yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's that movie is just great. something about the yeah, the the relationship of 
Scarlett and Bill Murray and just everything was just, I don't know. I can't, it's one of those movies. I can't even explain why I loved it, but I just sat there for two hours just with my jaw open and just like, this is, this is it. And for some reason I never wanted to go, go never wanted to revisit it. I don't know why, but I'm yeah. Lost in, I'm a lost in translation, huge fan of that movie. Well, it's, I think, you know, I mean, she is, it is a film about someone in a funk, right. And someone trapped and someone confused, I mean, lost in, she's confused. Well, and, and I think, I think for me, part of it too, is that when that movie came out, that was right around the time I had, I had quit school the first, quit college the first time. It was maybe a year or two after that. So I had kind of had moved back home and was kind of trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely like, it it wasn't even the filmmaking. It was like the, the stuff that the, the themes of the movie is what really just latched on. And maybe that's why I haven't gone back to rewatch it because I know I don't, I don't, maybe I don't want to relive that part of my life. I don't know. Yeah. Man, me too. I think about 2003. I was probably, oh, I know what I was doing in 2003. Yeah, I probably don't want to relive that either. (laughs) But I don't know. That's just one of those movies for me. It's such a beautiful film, though. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was shot by Lance Accord. And it reminds me of a lot of films that came out around that time. And there were, there was just, there was a kind of think, was this, this was shot on. This may was this shot digitally? I'm not so I'm not sure. I'm guessing this was probably still film, wasn't but, it? Yes, but they were shooting films in digital at this time though. And it had a look. Yeah. It had a look to it as though and I think that was on purpose that Lance Accord did that because the the husband was supposed to be a photographer. Oh, so yeah. it was some of the shots were almost like obscene in their beauty and like how he was framing things. Like it was almost like the arrogance that the husband had. And I just thought it was so beautifully and impeccably shot. And that's, I mean, that is kind of, uh, Sophia Coppola does that. And yeah, the new one is great, but it's a lot smaller. It's a smaller little, it's a, it's like, it's a, it's a, a, that's a little film, but the city's so big and we're there in Tokyo the whole time. Right. Yeah. That's a, I mean. That's a that's you set a movie there. It's amazing. All right, let's keep it, it moving. It oh, was, we didn't talk about Winner's Boner. Oh, sorry, I was going to say lots of translation was shot on film. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Winner's Bone. Wow, what a great movie. Mm-hmm. Haunting. Yeah, it's, that's all I got. It's it's great. And I, I think the one thing, the, the thing I will always remember about that for me too is that I, I'm sure everybody by now that listens to this knows I am from a very small town and spent a large chunk of my life here. I know people that are not that different from the people featured in this movie. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not sitting there having beers with them, but I I definitely know those people, people that are like that. So not not the criminal element of it, but people that you wouldn't sure, be surprised if they turn to that. Yeah, well, you're the criminal aspect. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting, though. I love that's what was so cool about Winter's Bone is that it's one of those movies where you're almost thinking to yourself, where is this set? What year is this? Is this like Mm -hmm. a is this like a dystopian future? Is this way in the past? Like it had its way of letting you in to this little world, these little towns. Right. And the way they live, which is so unlike my, I mean, my life, and I think most people's lives. Yeah, and well, it, and 
the, okay. the kind of things that are featured on those, it's, it's those, those people don't, I hate to say those people because I'm sound like an arrogant asshole right now, but the, the, it doesn't change the, yeah. like the, they're, the, they're, they're literally living in the same house their parents did. And, and, uh, or I shouldn't say that that's not the right word, but the, the things don't change at all. I mean, a lot of people things don't change. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but no, it's, but what, but that's what a lot of the film is about is her breaking, yeah. trying to break the cycle and the yep. unwritten rules that everyone had told her she was supposed to follow and yeah. how she didn't. And that was, I mean, that's like, I don't want to give away kind of the surprise, but I think that it's, you know, heartbreaking in many ways. It's a fantastic film. And, um, that really launched her career. Yeah. yeah. I actually think a lot of, uh, Julia Garner's character in Ozark is somewhat, maybe not based on this, but maybe inspired uh, on that a little bit. Yeah. Good point. I get, I get that vibe a lot when I watch Ozark. I dig it. I dig it. All right. Let's keep it moving. This one, I don't even have to talk about it. 2001 beat the shining, <laughs> but I love the shining too. Come on. The shining is, I mean, as far as horror films go, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, that's the bomb dig, man. I mean, before we've had this recent revival of like art horror, um, yeah. like, um, it follows and stuff like that. I think the film Twitter term is elevated horror. Yeah, there you go. Elevated horror. This was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you had like, uh, I'm trying to think it was Argenta where, yeah, he was working by the time the shining came out. So there was yeah, other, was out before that. Yeah. Think, there yeah. were other, um, foreign directors as foreign to the United States. We're based there. I'm yeah. here right now in the U S um, <laughs> born in the U S <laughs> I had to get a song in. Um, yeah, of course, but the shining, I mean, come on. And I, and it's Stephen King and we know the classic story. The best part about it all is that Stephen King gets Stanley Kubrick uh, to make his fucking movie. And then all he does is complain the rest of his fucking life and talk about how Kubrick called him at midnight and said, do you believe in God? And then hung uh -huh. up on him. And all I can think about is if Stanley Kubrick called me at midnight and said, do you believe in God? I'd be like, Stanley, let's talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? God, what is God, Stanley? We would have a great conversation. You're complaining about that, but I love Stephen King, so I can't get mad. Well, and that's a that's a, a case of I love the movie, I love the book. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I love both, and I, it always I always find it hilarious that King bashes the movie yeah, so much because I don't know. that movie has made him more money and more fame and sold more books for him than he could possibly realize. I mean, it legitimized and, him. Yeah, the movie fucking legitimized Stephen King. Are you kidding yep. me? I'm and and it's it's really and maybe that's a little bit of where the because come on, Stephen King is like the ultimate townie, like we were talking about, right? He still fucking yeah. lives in his hometown. <laughs> they so I can understand that. I understand the point, which is that in the book, it's the hotel. He made it yeah. like he was crazy. I don't yep. really agree with that. I mean, if you look at the end, he's in the picture. How did he get in the picture? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, and I, I think I had, re I had heard something about him saying one time that part of his problem was that Jack was him. The character of Jack yeah, was him writing yeah. it. And he kind of, he kind of saw Jack as the hero and he, there's really no redeeming qualities the right. way Jack Nicholson plays him. So I, I mean, if it's a personal creation, I, I get it. It was the cocaine. Still, That's what Stephen King's trying to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> the hotel with. Yeah, well, exactly. he didn't. He wrote The Shining in like a weekend high on cocaine, didn't he? Isn't that the story? Yeah. Those, I think, yeah, there was four or five of those early King novels that was all, yeah. like he doesn't remember writing a lot of them. And like when he's gone back to them, he's had to reread them or re-listen to his own audiobooks to remember what all happened or talk to his researcher that just researches his own stuff. So... Either way, these are both great movies, and it's both, I mean, it's Kubrick. Yeah, I can't, and I've talked so much about 2001, we can move on, I love it. Um, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off beat The Breakfast Club. Damn, I think The Breakfast Club is a better, I think, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but you know what, Ferris is a prick. <laughs> he totally is. I did not like him, like, even when I was a kid. I was like, I don't think I would hang out with Ferris Bueller. Like, I would think he was kind of like a prick. Now, I, I understand the poor rich kid, he gets his daddy's car out of the thing and the beautiful girl. But it's just, to me, people complain about um, John Hughes, right? And how mm-hmm. so maybe characters too white, like yeah. maybe upper middle class, some of the problems, but whatever. He was telling the stories he knew. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even though there is some bad stuff in some of the movies, but breakfast club is essential viewing for all teenage human beings in the United States of America, where I don't think Ferris Bueller is. I think it's a fun movie. I, I, this was one that shocked me. Ferris Bueller's day off was the number one vote getter. It had more votes than Crazy. every other movie in this tournament. I mean, I love the movie. It's fun, but it's just and, a fun movie. It has a little bit of heart at the end, and yeah, it's great. But yeah, it's I still, I still like it. I mean, I've club. seen it many times, and I still laugh. I don't laugh as much now that I'm older. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> That's like I've, I've really come to the realization that Ferris is kind of an asshole, and I feel bad for uh, yeah, Alan Ruck's character. I can't think of what his name is yes. on the movie right now. Uh, his buddy. Oh, Dave um, Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Abe Froman. Yeah, Abe Froman, yeah. I still like Ferris Bueller, but yeah, breakfast, you're right. Breakfast Club is, I mean, it's an all-timer. It's a reason it's in the Criterion Collection. Let me tell you something, man. When I was watching The Breakfast Club, I saw that shit in the movie theater when it first came out. And when Anthony Michael Hall tells the story of the using the starter gun to try to shoot himself... Mm-hmm. I started bawling out in that movie theater because that is, I think, one of the most beautifully sad, just heart-wrenching things that I had maybe seen in a film, like a kid, like a teenage movie. That at that yeah. and that part of the film hit me in such a way that when I rewatch the film, I see that from the first frame, you know, mm-hmm. like in a way I feel like the whole film was about that, him telling that story. God, I can start yep. crying. Just think about it now. It's just because that is so much of what being a teenager is right. Like yeah. a mess of confusion and feelings. And then when you really try to do something, you just fuck it up. <laughs> right like and but it's good that you did yeah it's such a such you, a brilliant movie and it's so dang yeah relatable not the right word but it's like in a lot of ways you see characters on screen and it, the, the crazy thing is that all the characters represent so many different 
people that you knew in high school or knew yeah. in grade school. Yep. And so everybody can see themselves in it. And a lot of time, and most of the time I'm sure it's painful for everybody. The first yeah. time they watch it at times, it's just such a great movie. Demented and sad, but social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Dazed and confused. Another classic that's a classic high school, but definitely in a different way. Um, yep. Beat school of rock. And I can see this now. Yeah. I don't. I, this is this is an interesting that this is what the matchup ended up with. What can you remind me again? What what we were choosing from in this bracket? Um. Well, Days and Confused beat out uh, the before whichever before oh, movie before, made it out of okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Before Sunrise. And I'm trying to think. Boyhood is what uh, School of Rock. Okay. Beat. All right. I can see that. I can see that. I do think. I'm I'm a slacker fan myself. Ellen, I think Days I think Days had slacker in the first round. Yep. And that was a tough one. And uh I think I went slacker on that one. Uh, I may have went Days and Confused though because they're both fantastic. School of Rock yeah. I watched with my son and my wife and man my son loved that movie. That was really something else. But Days and Confused is more like a film. Yeah. If we're going to bring it I'd- back to that. These are these are two other movies that I really love, and for very different reasons. School of Rock is so fun, and it's got such a big heart. And I mean, it's I think it's not, like by far Jack Black's best performance he's ever done. And I just I I really 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 yeah. loved it. But Days and Confused is it's just such a another classic high school movie for different reasons than Breakfast Club, but just a. Man, Days and Confused. It's one of my most rewatched movies ever. I love Days and Confused. It's just, it's great it, all around. It, 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 to me, it is, um, it almost like an ode to Robert Altman and, mm. um, mm-hmm. that kind of flowing narrative, multi character. Yep. You can't really, you really think to yourself, who is the, who's the star of this movie, Days and Confused? Yeah, it just kind of floats in and out and doesn't really. Yeah. And what's yeah, it really kind of, about? It's about a time, you know, and I, th- yeah. I I think that's what makes it so beautiful. And it's a lot about America, right? And where he's from, like Austin, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and it also launched the careers of like 20 people. That's what I was going to say, too. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's one of those. You watch it now and for somebody that hasn't seen it and they're like. Holy shit! Is that Matthew McConaughey and Ben yeah. Affleck and Parker Posey and just goes on and Tons on and on? It's, yeah, the cast is amazing. Yeah. All before they were famous. Definitely. All right, let's keep it moving. Top Gun beat True Romance. Man, get the <laughs> hell out of here! True Romance I, I, I is way what better. You were say about this. Top Gun. I honestly. I don't even, I mean, I, maybe I watched this when I was a kid and like, I was like, get him Hawkeye or whatever the hell, what's his name? Maverick. Maverick or Daggerhead or whatever. Maverick and Goose. Iceman. I don't even know what this movie's really about, but. (laughs) I think we we all know what it's really about. I don't know who has the top gun. No, I love Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis. I love this movie when I was a kid. But true romance is, I mean, come on, Tarantino. 
it, it was it's just you know brad pitt smoking weed on the couch out of the freaking what did he have mm-hmm. the apple bong that was yeah. amazing man true yeah, romance the, is great these, uh, top gun actually does have a pretty amazing cast too that most people don't think about i mean you still have meg sure. ryan in there tim robbins val kilmer yeah uh tom scarrett there's it's a anthony great edwards cast, but... of er fame oh yeah anthony edwards yeah but mm-hmm. it's it's so silly and it's so over the top. And yeah. I don't, it's, it's one of those ones where, I mean, my, my favorite Tony Scott movie did not make it very far. So I, I'm more of a, I love Crimson Tide. I'm a sucker for submarine movies. Yeah. That's a great movie. So, but it's, uh, I mean, this has to be a nostalgia vote for people. Cause everybody, I mean, so many people I know watch Top Gun and repeat when they were kids. Because the, the gunfight or the the jet fighting was cool and all that stuff, but yeah, True Romance is, I think, one of those times. Where, like you say, it's a better, it's a film. Yeah, and you know, I want to know, and this is perhaps a bit off color here, but you know, Tony Scott killed himself. You know that he jumped off a bridge, and. Yep. There are weird stories out there. There will be a documentary made. Mark my words on Netflix mm-hmm. or something and somebody's going to get to the bottom of this because yeah. this man who, who was a great director, I do think Ridley was a better director, but that's for, that's all bad thing to say when I'm talking about his death. But anyway, I'm going to say it <laughs> Ridley Scott's better, but um, he jumped off this, but he was convinced that he had cancer, right? Yeah. And then he said, I'm in remission. And he was taking these different types of drugs for it. And then the autopsy showed that he never had cancer. I was going to say, I thought it was something where there was no cancer. Yeah. And his family says, no, he did. He told us we saw the thing. And they say, no, he did not have cancer. He never had cancer. So then there's, there's a mystery there that. And you can Google and try it. I don't think anything new has come out just because, you know, like it's a private family matter. And I don't think yeah. they're trying to say other than the fact that he killed himself. It's only a reason why. But mm-hmm. just wanted to bring that up. But um, True Romance was awesome. Let's keep it moving. Stand By Me beat The Princess Bride. And I have to say, this surprised me because Princess Bride gets a lot of that nostalgia vote. But you know what? This was the right choice. Well, the uh, this one, I was surprised when Stand by Me knocked off a few good men, and I wasn't. I hadn't. I don't. I don't. Well, see, here's the thing. I've a few good men. I've watched over the years. Whenever it's on, one of those movies, I'll just throw on. I haven't watched, and this was another one like Rotana Bums that Kevin really was passionate about on Facebook, and I hadn't watched Stand by Me in. It had to have been since the early '90s. I mean, it's been close to 30 years since I've seen it, and I, I went back and watched it and. Wow, he is right. That thing is a that's a masterpiece. I was I was blown away by how much I love that movie. It is fan. It's so good. Man, is it good? All the kid act, some of the best child acting ever. I think River Phoenix, man. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman is fantastic in it. Jerry O'Connell, they're all Kiefer Sutherland. People, there's a lot of people who, you know, die young stars and stuff. And people say, oh, what they would have given us and what they would have been. River Phoenix, let's just say Leonardo DiCaprio, 
you owe your entire career to the fact that River Phoenix died <laughs> because all those roles yep. would have gone to him and he probably yep, would have no done doubt. better than you because I think at the time, I mean, he was in a, for his eight, two, man, he huh. blows you he away. Was, I was going to say, he was carrying Stand By Me and oh. uh, Leo was uh, a guest role in Family Ties. Mm. Or was it Family Ties? Which one was he on? Who's the Facts boss? Of was one of those, or, Facts of Life. Facts of Life. With one George of those, Clooney. Yeah. With George Clooney. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was. And uh, you know what? The the movie where he is, um, I mean, Mosquito Coast, but also the kid when he's the Russian, what is that? Little Nikita or something? Oh, I, I don't know if I've ever watched that. Yeah, that was that great. Um, he was even great in the, the prologue on... Uh, Indiana Jones yeah. and the Last Crusade. He he's playing actor. young Harrison Ford. Yeah. And look what the, his brother uh, does now. Yeah. There's there's some talent in that family. Yeah. But Princess Bride, yeah. a fantastic film. Fred Savage. Carrie Uwels. How do you pronounce his name? I think it's Elways. El- Elwes. Elway. Elways? Elways. Kind of like John Elway, but Elways. <laughs> John Elway, but British. Yeah. <laughs> and not as good at throwing a football <laughs> good yeah, at kicking yeah, one though yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. princess bride what an amazing film and just a classic a total classic just from the setup the way he's sick and he tells the story you know the interplay you have between mm-hmm. peter falk and fred savage yep. that set it up and i can remember that that's why in my family, because my sister was absolutely obsessed with Fred Savage when she was a kid. And I mean, she would like, like VHS record, like every episode of, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Yeah. Um, she was in love with them and she was like, he's going to be in this movie. He's going to be in this movie. So, oh, wow, Fred Savage. And he's not really in the movie that much. I was going to say, he's in it for like 10 minutes. But she still loved it, you know? And I think so did all the other kids, too. I mean, it's really, really fantastic. But I think Stand By Me is is like that film thing. It's like on a different level. Yep. Um, And, you know, looking at these two, when you were talking about some of the cast, I'm starting to notice uh, kind of a uh, trend in a lot of these movies. And Princess Bride's another one the supporting casts on these movies are almost all uniformly amazing. Cause yeah. you didn't even mention Mindy Patinkin, Christopher guest, oh, Billy crystal, yeah. Carol Kane, all on yeah. princess bride. That uh, What's the guy, the, the bald guy that's in dinner with Andre. Can't ever remember. Wallace Sean. Wallace Sean. Hey, I mean, how about stand by me? Emilio Estevez, right? As his brother. Wasn't that his brother? Oh, no, his, uh, Cusack, John Cusack. Oh, John Cusack? Wait, but it wasn't Emilio Estevez in that movie, too? I don't think so. I have, I honestly just watched it last night. He wasn't? <laughs> so I, I, thought, I, I thought, oh, it was Cusack? Really? It was Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack is the brother. Oh, I thought brother. there was another guy in there, too, in the group of friends. Hmm, I don't remember. One? Anyway, you're yeah. right, though, and that that's a good thing. That's an interesting point to make, too, about how a film, all the frames work out and all the casting works out. Nothing is just there, you know, mm-hmm. everything's thought about and gosh, moving on to the guy who thought about everything so much so that maybe he didn't show up on set when they filmed it. 
Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> Rear Window beats Psycho, and I love it because I love Rear Window, man. That to me is that's that's Jimmy Stewart's best movie. I love Jimmy Stewart in that movie. He's creepy. I don't like it when Jimmy Stewart is all like, "Oh well, oh Martha," I can't even impersonate him. You, you're not a Mister America, Mister All American. No. That's not your favorite. No. Stewart. No, that's like Tom Hanks. I like when Tom Hanks is a little like, you know, yeah. loving on a father ball. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. rather than Mister <laughs> Rogers. Um, <laughs> But Rear Window is just fantastic, too, because of the setting. Um, yeah. I mean, everything about it, the way it was shot, the music, the titles going through. But, I mean, Psycho, too, is fantastic. But there was so, there's something about Rear Window to me that I always loved that um, maybe it's just the horror aspect this again is like when you were saying comparing like hot dogs to hamburgers. These are both amazing films. I can't put either of them yeah. down. I'm definitely more of a rear window fan. My favorite Hitchcock is still North by Northwest, and mm. Psycho. I, I, I Psycho is one of those movies I can recognize its greatness, but it's never been a movie that I've watched and been like, wow. It's just, and like it never just completely bowls me over. So if I'm going to watch a Hitchcock, it's not going to probably even be in my top four or five movies that I'm going to watch of his. It, I, I enjoy it, but it's just not, I don't know. It just hasn't, doesn't quite have the same something for me. So yeah, rear window would be, it was my pick here too. That's interesting because, um, I've seen psycho so many times. And when I was in college and going to the film studies classes, my God, the guy, I think our professor showed that like every other day. He loved, of course, <laughs> Psycho. And I guess they had a print or something. So they kept on showing it. Mm. And yep. um, and I I think I went with my my old buddy Beerbull one time in the city to see it on film. And then when, of course, Gus Van Zandt did the remake. Yep. Which to this I was one t- of the five people that saw that in the theater. Oh, I was one of them, too. I saw it oh, uh, because I love him as a filmmaker and I yep. just wanted to know why the fuck are you making this movie? And yep. I guess the story is that they came to him and they said, we're remaking psycho. And he was like, who do you want to direct it? And they talked about some other directors and he was like, Oh no, he's like, I have to do it. And then that's why he did like a shot for shot. And the only change Uh in it is that he updated the through the window in the beginning because they actually could do it the way Hitchcock wanted to do it. Um, But uh, it's still what a weird movie. Vince Vaughn wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah, that was the other change. Vince Vaughn waxes pud. That was the other change because he wanted to do that, too, because Hitchcock always had some sexual stuff going on. Wanted to have a lot darker stuff than he could, yeah. or not maybe not, like, more controversial type things. Interesting. The, the thing with Psycho too, I think that it's a movie I might, I probably would appreciate it. I probably should go back and watch it because when I saw it, it was before I really, really immersed myself into film and like how film is made and technique and that kind of thing. And I had already, I already knew what the twist was. I already knew what the story was. Yeah. So it was nothing. I was like, okay, I know what happens. Get to it. Get to it. And I wasn't paying attention to all the other, like directing and everything oh, else that goes impeccable. into it. So yeah. And that's a I have my oh, Blu-ray set sitting here, so maybe I will need to move that up on the rewatch list. 
But you mentioned, you know, like, you know, the plot. And of course, I think we can spoil Psycho, which is that like the lead actress dies, what, 40 minutes into the movie. And then the movie keeps on going. And that was, that's groundbreak. I, you have to love it for that too, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to appreciate that. Um, all right. Let's I may appreciate it more. Anyways, yeah, let's move on. (laughs) Um, Goodfellas beat Raging Bull. I'm cool with this. I love Goodfellas. I kind of think, you know, man, good old Martin has so many amazing films. But I do think in the end, Goodfellas is going to be that movie that defines him. Yeah, I I think at least at this point, it's his peak. Yeah. I do. I really think so. I think it, it it's fun. It's amazing. It's totally a film. It lifts the gangster uh, mm-hmm. to to different new heights because the thing is, like, it's way more fun than The Godfather. Yep. <laughs> right. Like Goodfellas yeah, is cool. Not even close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it probably has the best. Um, what do you call them? Needle drops of any movie oh, of all time. Man. I mean the the music is so. It's such a huge part of that movie too. And it's the piano Layla part when he's going Uh through the, I mean, that's just, Oh no. I mean, when he's opening up the, like they open up the, or I guess it's not. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, And you see the guy on the meat hook, right? Like whenever he's wrapping it all up and, and I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it, it also Goodfellas has a special meaning to me because that's kind of close to close to the home front. Yeah. I was going to say, it can't be too far away from where you, where you grew up. Yeah. And let's just say, I know some people who know some people (laughs) and, um, to watch, to see that on the screen to me, neighborhoods that I had heard about and kind of a life that I had heard a lot about portrayed in such a human way too, because I think that's a big of difference. I find the difference to me between people who are like big Goodfellas fans, good, big God, Godfather fans. It's like Godfather is kind of like you're tough. It almost like glorifies in a sense where I felt that Goodfellas was like in no uncertain terms. The purpose of this story is to tell you these people are fucked up. Yeah. That's, I think you're probably right. And I mean, that's Scorsese's done that in quite a few times. Unfortunately, there's too many people that will still glor- glorify yeah. it, like Wolf of Wall Street, which is another movie that I think oh, is fantastic. Yeah. And there is no doubt in my mind that they come out as they're bad people. Yeah. And definitely. I've had people talk to me like, well, I didn't like it because it made the it made Leo into a hero in that movie. I'm like, did you see the same movie as me? <laughs> I mean, so interesting. But, interesting. But I think the Sopranos is like the middle road. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, uh, yeah, I find good fella. Yeah. And uh, raging bull though. What an amazing film. So much darker though. And, um, I think he was probably using a lot of cocaine and alcohol when he made raging <laughs> bull and everybody on the set was, I uh, yep. can see it in their eyes. That's a, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing film though. You can't, I mean, yeah. Just the way he shot the boxing scenes alone. It's a, most of Scorsese is kind of like what we said with Kubrick. It's Scorsese. So it's even I, I'll watch his bad movies over most people's good movies. Yep. Speaking of which, a person who has no bad movies. 
Mr. Quentin Agreed. Tarantino, who is, uh, did you know that Quentin Tarantino was named after Brett's son? He's named after his son. Yeah, nice. it's, he went back into the. He went into the back in time. I forgot about Brett's yeah. time machine. Yeah, Brett has a time machine, dude. Come on, it's Brett. Forgot, um, forgot all about that. Yeah, but Pulp Sorry, Fiction Brett. beat Reservoir Dogs, and I'm cool with that because, in so many ways, Pulp Fiction is the culmination of what Reservoir Dogs maybe wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know? I've always seen pulp as kind of the 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 next step, or yeah. Reservoir Dogs as a stepping stone to get to pulp. Yes, and it's uh, one thing about pulp for me. It's it's still my favorite Tarantino. And I, I when I was talking with Kellen the other day about this, because he he was for him it was Reservoir Dogs was who, what he had wanted, and we both said the same thing about two different movies. Where for both of us, they were like, it's like a pillar in my movie fandom. It's the first Tarantino I saw in a theater. Yeah. It's the first time. I mean, when I saw that thing, I remember with my my good friend that I went to movies with at that, that time back in high school, we both walked out of it, and we were the theater was about half an hour away. We both walked out of the movie, and we're like, we didn't like that. By the time we had gotten home and just talking it through was like it was one of our favorite movies of all time, and it was – it was it opened our our eyes to a film world we had no idea existed. I mean, and just the the art house thing and how movies didn't have to be like Independence Day or something else. Movies that were out around that same time, and yeah. it was just it's one of those movies that just like I said, it's a pillar for me. It's up there with Star Wars and some of those movies that it's like this is a hallmark movie for me. And so for that, Pulp Fiction will be as my number one Tarantino movie. I can see both points of view. Reservoir. And yeah, said was that Kellen basically said the same thing about Reservoir yeah. Dogs for him. Reservoir Dogs came out in 1992, um, and that was my first year of college. In high school, my brother had a friend, Ivan, who was really into, um, I don't know if it was karate or some kind of like whatever it whatever form it was, right? Maybe it was like Bruce some Lee's, martial arts, yeah. some martial arts that was yep. from Hong Kong. And he had gone to Hong Kong. And I was really into, I had always been into Kung Fu movies, Wu-Tang shit, Channel 11, Channel yep. 9, <laughs> Saturday, right? And I was always wondering what the fuck happened to those type of movies, okay? And I learned about some Hong Kong directors and these are the guys that really influenced. And he took the story of reservoir dogs from, I think it was Johnny lamb or something. Um, okay, I don't remember yeah. which dude it was that he gets credited with stealing the Mr. White, Mr. Red, all that stuff from. Yep. And yep. I, heard that there was an American director who made a movie like that. And he, there was like a Hong Kong movie with like a ballet of gunfighting. Right. Yep. yep. And so I saw reservoir dogs on VHS in my home in the second video. Actually, maybe it was the first video store that had popped up in my town that was still there next to the barbershop I went to. And I was mm -hmm. blown away. So I can feel what Kellum is saying where I, it also made me think, wow, we're going to have like 
a thing that they had in the 19, late 1960s and early 70s. Like American filmmakers are going to try to make like great movies because if you remember, I mean, 1992, man, we're not too far away from fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and raw deal. And that was what an action movie was and Stallone, you know, and if guys had guns, it was dumb. Um, Mm -hmm. so this was something new and amazing and beautiful. And of course it reminds you of all French films and the way they're dressed. Right. So it's just like uh, a Samurai. So it, I can totally understand, but Pulp Fiction takes that, the, the, the weird Tarantino stuff that was apparent in Reservoir Dogs. It's kind of, Ooh, look, it's a little bit and just pumps it up. Like in the same way, we're talking about the difference between Rushmore and Royal Tannenbaums, you know? So and John Travolta and everything. So I, though I can feel the love for reservoir dogs, I can see why Pulp Fiction will be forever known as Tarantino's movie in the same way that Goodfellas is Scorsese's movie. Well, I think too, when you were talking about seeing dogs for the first time, I'm almost positive that I know I saw it on video, but I don't think I saw it until after I saw Pulp. So okay, it, it was a different, because I, I think that's why I seek I seeked it out. That's because, why like, I wanted I to see. Yeah, because yeah. look, man, already by that time, 1992. So yeah, all those Hong Kong guys have been doing their thing. John Woo mm-hmm. and all them, right? So yeah, let's see. The Killer was 89. Bullet in the Head was 90. I think yep. it was a better tomorrow that oh, yeah. I think he that took is- the red, the white guy thing from i think that was it but a better tomorrow oh my god i remember watching these movies on vhs and being like holy shit and the killer too i need to go back to watch that again i forgot about that movie yeah wow so um yeah for tarantino i think uh, i think people forget because now tarantino is associated with maybe you think of him like the kung fu like kill bill and stuff you know but really, it, and when he first came out, people were like, oh, he made like a, I mean, it's like John Wick is like these ballet gun movies, but that's what these were, right? Like the killer is fucking amazing. Well, and really, I think the interesting thing about him is he has a couple different, a couple different threads. He's got the crime, kind of the violent crime drama thing, and then he goes into the Kung Fu thing for a while and the grindhouse type thing. And then he goes into like this yeah, re, redoing historical Pulp. epics well, kind of thing that he's in now. Yeah. So it's it kind of and like the only real through line I can see in a lot of his stuff is revenge. <laughs> I like it. I love I mean, it, Andy. That's very, that is very on point. A oh, man, how so, when they when he announced that he was doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and it was going to be about Manson, how long did it take you to figure out that spoiler alert they were going to kill Manson? <laughs> like it didn't take uh, you. <laughs> About when I uh, when I read the end of the sentence, it said, "Just announced Tarantino was writing a movie about Charlie Charles Manson." Ma- oh. I knew by the like by the period in that sentence, I'm like, "Well, I know how this is ending." And it didn't even matter. I totally not it did all. not even matter. That movie is so awesome. And I mean, did uh, I think oh. it was going to end with Leonardo DiCaprio flame throwing somebody <laughs> in the pool? No. But oh my god! But you know what? 
when I think of that movie, I think about the scene where Brad, oh no, it's, uh, it's, it's Leonardo is sitting talking to that, um, that girl, that little actress. Oh yeah. Right. Oh man. That's yeah, on the amazing. Set of the Western. Yeah. And then he just yeah. gets up and does, I mean the, the whole thing, what a fantastic movie. That movie is just about people hanging out. That takes place in about one day too, doesn't it? Or like, 24 hours 36 hours maybe uh, no, no because he goes to, he goes over to italy oh Leo okay. goes over that's to italy. true that's so, true i mean it, it, it takes place in like over one day two on two different days but there's time in between okay i think if that makes sense well i want to watch that movie again all right let's we're, we're hitting let's hit the last one you know what i don't even really think we need to go over the vote getter we talked we did a great job just talking about movies yeah. today yep. that's what it's about um Finally, in the end, this was a special category. Um, why don't you do this one? Well, this is the one where I had everybody on the selection committee name name films for people for directors that didn't make the tournament. So there was PTA was in there, Robert Zemeckis, Coppola, James Cameron, um, Mel Brooks. Uh, Tim had, of course, had to get some Zucker movies in there. So it was all just a bunch of random hodgepodge. And the final was Godfather beating Back to the Future. Yeah, baby. I am all okay with this because as I said in the Facebook comments, and which you were surprised to find out, I'm not a huge fan of Back to the Future. I love Back to the Future and it's nostalgic to me. But when I sit and watch the movie, I try to watch it with my son. And I don't know. I just, I don't, it's kind of boring to me. And it, I, maybe I've seen it too many times or it seems a little cliche. Maybe it's like, it's just a history thing. And like, I also commented on the whole thing with like his mom trying to have sex with him. The whole movie is a little yeah. off putting, um, <laughs> but I should, sure. I should do, I'll probably end up doing like a rewatch of all three of the movies with my son, which I haven't done in many years. And I'll probably find mm-hmm. like some new appreciation for it, but I don't think it's hard to say that the Godfather is a better movie than back to the future. Yeah, this, uh, I, I was I was one who nominated Back to the Future, and I voted for Godfather in the finals. So <laughs> I, mean, I love Back to the Future; it's one of my all time favorites too. But it's not part of it. I mean, part of when I when I uh, nominated that one, I knew Tim had already had the Godfather in there and some of those, and I wanted to get Zemeckis in there because I think Zemeckis does have some great movies. Yeah, he's another one that kind of fell into the Tim Burton thing. Instead, he decides to go into the wonky special effects yes, and all that exactly. that he's point. obsessed yep. with. But yeah. So I love both movies for very, very different reasons. This is to me, this is similar to the Schindler's List versus Raiders discussion we had, where I, I think Back to the Future for like what Kellen and I were talking about for one of the movies that it sets out exactly to what it does. It's pretty. I mean, it's I'm entertained by it constantly. I still enjoy the sequels. I don't think they're nearly the movies that the the original one is, but The Godfather is The Godfather. I mean, it's one of the titans of filmmaking in history of film. I mean, it's, I can't, I can't not vote for the Godfather here. I love the Godfather. And it's funny when I was talking before about how a lot of people feel, there's like a lot of people like the Godfather, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But it is a very sad story. It's about Michael Corleone not being able to escape his family. Right. And it's about Mm 
oh, it's in a, in so many ways, it's about America. And <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. And what it's about created America. and the and the what really created America, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe in the same ways that um, um, Marty showed with uh, the Irish gangs in New York. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, Godfather is amazing, man. I love it. I have not seen. I know that there's this new version of Godfather three. Um, the uh, the Blu-ray is actually sitting on the desk right next to me. My okay. wife, excuse me, Santa Claus brought it for me for Christmas this year. Nice. I have not watched it yet. I've heard that it's interesting, and uh, I would like to see it. I don't have a problem. I mean, Godfather Three is a different kind of movie than the other two, um, and I think it was made very differently as well, and it shows. Um. Well, and def- I, think, you know. I, I think all three are very different. I've watched all three of them yeah. recently, like in the last year. I think they're all three very different movies. I think the two biggest things that hurt Godfather 3 is it's not it's not as good as the first two. I mean, I don't think that's really a, a question. And like we mentioned it briefly earlier, if they could have got his original casting instead of having to yeah. replace her with... with uh, his daughter at the last minute, it was supposed to be one on a rider. And I, I honestly, Sophia Coppola in that movie is just, Oh, I feel bad for her because it's not, it's not good. No. She is not good in that movie. And what on a rider at that time would have probably knocked it out of the park. That and he right worked when, later with her on Drac on a, what's it? Yeah. Uh, Dracula, Dracula. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's, I, I still enjoy all three. And the first two, I think are both, I think Godfather Two is one of those rare sequels, like Empire Strikes Back that, oh. or Aliens, that are a one-two punch of just amazing. So yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't want to. I I didn't mean to slag the Godfather before even say that I think that Goodfellas is better than the Godfather because <laughs> oh, no. I don't even think I can say <laughs> I, I that. Think that. <laughs> but yeah, the Godfather is an amazing film, and um, I kind of like that. You know, hey, Francis Ford Coppola. He always did his own thing and zoetrope and his wine. And I just think he's have a you cool dude, of, you know, have you seen any of the experimental crap he's had the last five or six years? Or <laughs> ten years? Maybe I saw, I remember, I, I remember I watched about half of the film with Vincent Gallo. Um, it has a one word name. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. What the heck is the name of that thing? Isn't that the one he took on tour for a while? I think so. And I don't know it, if it's, it was it was when he took on tour and like did different soundtracks with like a synthesizer live while the movie was playing. Good for him, man. You know, that's what I mean. Good for him. You know, he's obviously not making films that a wider audience are seeing anymore, but that's okay. Keep, yeah, definitely keep taking doing your chances. Thing. Yeah. Keep doing your thing there. And, and of course he's got, again, from that family, they can do whatever the hell they want. He probably just lives off his wine money. Yeah, that's that stuff's on top chef. Yep, and I mean you have to <laughs> you have to have to res- yeah you have to respect a guy that like uh, goes bankrupt producing a movie like Apocalypse yeah. Now he bankrupted his own company making it. I mean, it's, oh my god, you have to respect that kind of insanity and artistic ability at the same time. You know, man, that scene with Martin Sheen in front of the mirror and when he busted starts bleeding everywhere in Apocalypse Now. Uh-huh. It's got to yeah. be one of the best film, one of the best scenes in film history. 
that's Coppola is one of the ones I, I really was bummed out along with PTA that we didn't do a full bracket for. Yeah. Well, and PTA the is the man. Yeah. The Coens. Hey, we'll get to it. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm seeing, I think PTA, I think he was shooting his movie. I think they were shooting it. I, that's going to secretly cut. He'll, that'll just all of a sudden it's coming out. Yep. He's the, man. that's kind of how his always are. Like I remember hearing like with their blood, I remember they said, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then there was nothing for like two years. And then all of a sudden, Oh, it's here. Yeah. So, man, I still think about the phantom thread. I love that movie so much. I thought that that was who the hell would ever make a movie like that ever. And I just thought that that was so fantastic and it was so beautiful. It was just about love. You know, it's about mm-hmm. finding your person, as they say these days. Um, yep. Well, yep. hey, we stopped. We uh, I shouldn't say we stopped. We have finished uh, the point of the list of everyone who won, and we have been talking for like an hour and a half. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we skedaddle? Um, you know, I, the one thing I, 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 I do, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but I, I wanted to mention one little thing on the, the top 10 vote getters that we had. Hit me. The top four were all those movies that we were talking about. Ferris Bueller's Day Off was the number one. Jaws, actually, even though it didn't win, had the second most votes. Raiders, number three. The Breakfast Club, also with number three, which also didn't win. So basically, John Hughes and Steven Spielberg got the majority of the votes, which really, I guess, shouldn't surprise me much, but... I thought it was interesting that yeah. I think a lot of it is nostalgia based and which is fine. Cause I voted for a lot of those movies too, but I thought that was an interesting, interesting thing. It's age to group, look at. age group too. I did, yeah. I did a snap um, poll just before Christmas generational best Christmas movie ever. Oh yeah. First up, it's a wonderful life. Second, a Christmas story. That's really kind of our generation, right? Yep. Next, Elf, which is really after our generation, right? Yep. And A Christmas Story 1, convincingly. And I know you're not a fan of this movie because I think I remember when it won on the Jay and Jack one, but you missed a big uh, my, the movie I grew up with because I'm just a little bit younger than you. It's Christmas Vacation. Uh, it's so funny when I think of the vacation movies, I don't even think of that movie. I had forgot that they even made it because for me, it's Wally world and big Ben parliament. And that's yep. the movies that I remember. Well, and I think, I think Christmas vacation came out like in 89 or 90. So I was 12, 13. I mean, it was yeah. right at my age. You would have probably been older at that time, where it was like, "Yeah, I'm not 16. interested in seeing." Yeah, it. I was sixteen or seventeen. No, I think I saw it, yeah. but I thought I think that was more so. I felt that was like a money grab kind of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Part of the reason I love that movie is when I was growing up, my dad was Clark Griswold in that movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's why it's we like love the, Christmas movies, though, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that's more about what it says about Christmas movies is which family did you grow up in? And that's the movie that you love. Yep. That's the truth, man. And I do want to say before we go, thank you, Andy. We really appreciate it. Everyone on the Facebook page appreciates your hard work. I know you have fun doing it, but it is work and we appreciate the time and effort, pal. Well, you are very welcome. I also got to thank everybody else that helped me with the selection thing all that last summer at this point already. But, um, 
I will be. I will definitely. Whenever we do the next one of these, whichever that is, I'm only a couple options in my mind. Not sure where we're going to go yet. I will be contacting all of you again. If you don't want to do it, don't feel pressure. And if anybody that's listening to this wants to be included in some of that stuff, just send me a message on Facebook. Just send me a personal message or something, and say, "Hey, I, I, I want to be included." I will. I more the merrier. I am perfectly fine with it. So because it's fun, like like you said, I have just as much fun as everybody else. So I hope people had fun with it this time. Yes. Awesome. I had fun on the Facebook page. I also had fun hanging out with you this evening. This flew by. We've been on the phone for like three hours now. This was a lot of fun, dude. I know it's very late for you, so enjoy the football. Yeah, we can't to- do oh. I don't think you and I can do a short show. It's, I don't think we've ever <clears throat> I done know, one. dude. I know. It's impossible. Well, that's just because we like talking to each other, pal. You're a good dude. Um, so are you. What else do we have to say? Um, that's it. Enjoy, everyone. Stay safe out there. Uh, you have any final words, Ando? I don't think so. Everybody, yeah, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, yeah, just try and stay warm. Well, where I am, try and stay warm. So <laughs> stay warm in the cold area. I think it's, we got like six inches of snow yesterday, so we're going to oh. be doing some sledding this weekend. And yeah, so everybody stay safe. That sounds awesome. All right, peace out, everybody. Take care. <laughs>